0: I want to share with you some thoughts about one of the greatest mathematicians, physicists and most influential scientists of all time, Sir Isaac Newton. And one of the things about his life that's much less well known is his passionate Christian faith. He was a Protestant who was obsessed with the Bible, particularly with end times prophecies the book of revelation but also uh, he was a passionate anti-trinitarian and this was not made known during his lifetime and perhaps for a long long time after only recently has this become much more widely known and i want to share with you uh, some thoughts from this book recently published priest of nature the religious worlds of isaac newton by the author rob Illiff. The author is Professor of History at the University of Oxford. He's a general editor of the Online Newton Project and author of Newton, A Very Short Introduction. This is a big, thick tome. And its overwhelming focus is on Isaac Newton, the believer, the Christian believer. So why is this of interest to us today? Well, it's because of his heresy. Uh, Isaac Newton uh, had to keep his beliefs Uh, secret during his own lifetime and I'll come to explain why and also exactly what he said. Much of uh, his thought was written down and the writings have only now now, uh, become published and this uh, particular work for the first time reveals many uh, writings of Isaac Newton that were hidden uh, because they were considered to be too dangerous to make public but Newton was the dominant intellectual figure of his age. Uh, he was born in 1642, died in 1726. His famous published works include the Principia Mathematica and Optics. So he's a mathematician also concerned with optics. And he reached across the scientific spectrum, revealing the degree of his interdisciplinary genius, and his fame opened doors throughout his career, securing him prestigious positions at Cambridge University, uh, the Royal Mint, and the Royal Society. Yet alongside his public success and his public profile, Sir Isaac Newton harbored private religious convictions that set him at odds with the established law of England and Anglican doctrine, that's the doctrine of the Church of England, and if revealed, threatened not just his livelihood, but his life itself. And I'll come to this in a second. Now, religion and faith dominated much of Newton's thought and his manuscripts in various states of completion and numbering in the thousands of pages are filled with biblical speculation and prophecies and timelines, along with many passages that excoriated the early church fathers these are the leaders of the early church like athanasius who he detested he thought he was a fraud we'll come to that as well these letters make clear that his theological positions rendered him a heretic by the standards of his day newton believed that the central concept of the trinity was a diabolical fraud and loathe the idolatry cruelty and persecution that had come to characterize so-called orthodox christianity that the catholic church and the church of england and instead what he wanted was a return to simple christianity um, that would focus on just a few central beliefs now he was totally original both in his science and in his uh, religious thinking he was a bit obsessive this comes out in his writings but um, what he did more than uh, any one of his time he went back to the uh, the new testament in its original greek uh, which he knew extremely well Uh, he read many many of the works of the early theologians and the early fathers And um, he engaged with them uh, in a very intellectually rigorous way. So I just wanted to share with you a few passages from this book, which uh, hopefully will make that clear. So in the introduction on page nine, our author writes, although Newton attacked what he took to be the excessive concentration on doctrinal forms in church matters, he was very anti-Catholic, He treated the doctrine of the Trinity differently. Over half a century, he expended vast energies, attempting to understand the nature and origins of what he believed was a diabolical notion. In other words, it was evil, the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine lay at the heart of Christianity at its time and it was the first of the 39 articles of the Church of England. These are a list of beliefs that everyone in the Church of England is supposed to follow. The very first one is about the Trinity. This stated that there was one living true God, eternal, incorporeal, that is without a body, omnipotent or powerful, infinitely wise and good and, quote, the Creator and preserver of all things, visible and invisible, unquote. This was fine for anti-Trinitarians such as Newton, but less acceptably, the text went on to assert that in unity of this Godhead, there were three persons who together made one substance, power and eternity. In the second article, this is of the 39 articles, the son, was identified as the Word of the Father. He was truly begotten, or genitus in the Latin, of the Father from everlasting, and of the same substance, consubstantialis. In other words, is homoousion, of one being with the Father. Though he inherited his human nature from the womb of the Virgin Mary, these two natures were indivisibly united in one person. From which there was one Christ, truly God and truly man. This being really suffered on the cross, died, and was buried, a sacrifice not merely for original sin, but for all the sins of mankind. I note here that in this definition, God Himself died on the cross, even though the Bible says that God doesn't die, that He's immortal. Anyway, in the fifth article of the 39 articles, The Holy Ghost, this is an old-fashioned phrase, by the way, meaning the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Ghost was asserted to be of the same substance, majesty and glory as the first two members of the Godhead, although Newton devoted little time to the third person of the Holy Trinity. His own position can thus be characterized by his flat denial of the key features of Orthodox Christianity, That asserted the identity of power and substance between the three persons of the Trinity. Newton always inveighed against any notion that the members of the Godhead were co-equal and in particular he condemned as abominations the notions that Jesus Christ was uncreated and was formed of the same substance as God the Father. So he implacable enemy, but notice this is all in secret, of course. He couldn't make this public, and we'll come to that in a minute. For Orthodox Anglicans, the doctrine of the Trinity was the foundation of the human relationship with the divine and of the connection between the supplicant and his or her church. The trinity linked the visible church to christ's body and to his continuing presence which justified and made sacred the central religious and secular institutions in newton's society it was on these grounds that denial of the trinity was a heinous offense that merited the ultimate punishment in 1612 a chap called bartholomew legate and another called Edward Whiteman, were the last martyrs burned alive for this crime in England. But the death penalty was reasserted in legislation of 1648. So in other words, that was during his own lifetime, Newton's own lifetime. Following the publication of a number of anti-Trinitarian texts, the ordinance for the punishment of several blasphemies and heresies, prescribed capital punishment for those who continue to maintain the error. The Blasphemy Act, as it was called, was superseded by another act passed just over two years later, which did not carry the threat of capital punishment. However, after the restoration of Charles II in 1660, this was after Cromwell, of course, was uh, he died. Of course, his son had a very brief reign, completely incompetent. And basically the people welcomed back the, the son of Charles I, who had been executed uh, famously in London by Cromwell and his uh, cronies. So uh, Charles II comes back, that's called the restoration. And this was in 1660, of course, during um, Newton's lifetime. After the Restoration, the public denial of the Trinity would have meant exclusion from office, social disgrace and the possibility of prosecution. So these are the stakes, you know, literally that uh, Newton had to deal with. Given the nature of Newton's religious views, it's entirely unsurprising that he should have wanted to keep them private, says our author. And continuing... Newton's extensive writings on on the Trinitarian corruption of Christianity are among the most daring works of any writer in the early modern period. Now, this is interesting because Newton, as I say, who knew New Testament Greek very well, uh, he was able to look at the manuscripts. He knew about the Johannine comma, by the way, this Trinitarian verse that was inserted later. He knew that was a fake so he he was a a kind of a a very early biblical scholar and textual critic in some ways back to our author and uh, not only were, were his extensive writings on trinitarianism daring as anyone in the age they would merit careful study even if they had not been composed by the author of the principia so even if he wasn't known as a scientist his writings on religion were still highly regarded or are, are highly regarded for their insight and their expertise as a window into the rich private world of a 17th century English Protestant, which he was. They stand in comparison with the manuscript remains of other writers, such as the great nonconformist Richard Baxter. Nonconformist means someone who didn't adhere to the Church of England, who was say, like a Baptist, someone like that and the Puritan craftsman, Nehemiah Wallington. However, what marks out Newton's writings are the independence of thought they display. This is typical, by the way, of Newton. He was such a genius that he basically thought outside of the box. He tested everything, uh, whether it be Trinitarianism or whether it be the laws of gravity or optics. He, He did his own new research, total genius however what marks out newton's writings are the independence of thought they display if they had been unveiled to the republic of letters that's the intelligentsia if you like when he wrote them and his authorship revealed he would now be part of an elite pantheon of original thinkers who are lauded as part of the radical reformation or radical enlightenment as it's also called however like william whitson His successor in the Lucasian chair, he would have been immediately expelled from his college. So the Lucasian chair is this incredibly prestigious um, professorial chair at the University of Cambridge. It still exists, and famously um, uh, many famous scientists, including Richard uh, Stephen Hawking, I should say, um, was one of the last occupants just a few years ago of that chair at Cambridge. But, of course, if he had become gone public about this, he would have been immediately expelled from his college. Our author writes he would never have had the chance to write the Principia or optics, and much, if not all of his pioneering work on the calculus might have been lost. He would never have been elected as a member of parliament for the University of Cambridge, which he was or elevated to the presidency of the Royal Society, which he was, and he would not have been appointed to the positions of warden or master of the Royal Mint, which he was. His coffin would not have been carried to Westminster Abbey by eminent lords and grandees, and there would now be no tomb proclaiming his superhuman qualities. So if he'd gone public, at the very least, he would have been completely disgraced and maybe his academic career would have been finished and just in conclusion i'm just going to share with you an excerpt from page 138 of our book uh, which is entitled the problem of idolatry so remember newton was a protestant christian he hated catholicism its superstitions its idolatry uh, its worship of jesus and mary and so on so he uh, according to our author Newton believed that the idea that the father and son and the Holy Ghost were co-equal and consubstantial parts of the Godhead had forced adherents to engage in an egregious form of idolatry. Egregious means really wicked and evil. So this doctrine of the Trinity forced Christians, for those who are compelled to believe it, into the worst form of idolatry imaginable. That's my paraphrase. The issue of idolatry underlay all his religious study so he's both anti-catholic as a militant protestant he rejected catholicism and he rejected idolatry as well and he came to understand that the true religion had been repeatedly corrupted by it by idolatry Newton's society in his time was saturated with accounts of idolatry whether it was of the newly discovered heathens who indulged in polytheism not sure who they are but anyway or of the descent of the israelites into false worship which we read about in the bible of course or more commonly of popish superstitions that some believed still contaminated anglican rituals popish superstitions who means the alleged roman catholic superstitions Newton frequently noted that there was a natural human tendency to crave superstition, mystery and other sorts of idolatrous beliefs and practices. This failing was used by crafty priests and kings to turn people away from the true monotheistic faith and to praise and then worship, firstly, dead men and after that, animals and the stars. This pattern recurred throughout history. And as a result, he argued the greatest men in the history of the world were those such as Abraham, Moses and Jesus Christ, who were periodically chosen by God to restore the true religion after it had been perverted by idolaters. This sounds very Islamic, actually, to be honest. Um, he considered the most hideous example of idolatry to be the doctrines and practices of roman catholicism so i think i'll just leave it there now of course this begs the question what did isaac newton know about islam did he know any muslims and, and if you're looking at the index to this book um, he did know about islam well let me rephrase that he knew about the uh, ottoman empire in his day and he seemed to share the standard prejudices and, and ill-informed notions of uh, many English people at that time. So he hadn't broken free of that. And he didn't seem to realize that the message that Muhammad bought was just the same as the message, same message that Abraham and Moses and Jesus and so on. So it would have been very natural, I think, had he been made aware of the real uh, Islamic teaching. Um, very natural, I would have thought, for him to have embraced Islam Islam, if he was so uh, disposed, so um, so there's not much really uh, in terms of his knowledge of Islam or, or Muslims to, to really uh, suggest that he would have embraced Islam. He just uh, had the same the usual prejudices of his age. But he he is such an important figure that he single-handedly really invented modern science until Einstein Einstein came along and his theory of general relativity. Newton was it. He he was the colossus of the era and uh, he used his genius and his forensic mind to strip away the idolatrous practices as he saw them as superstitions and errors of the later church to go back to the beginning um, and by analysing the Greek New Testament by looking particularly and I haven't gone into this the debates uh, at the Council of Nicaea between Arius and Athanasius he was very very aware of these debates and he was very anti-Athanasius and saw the strength in Arius's arguments that Jesus was a created being and he passionately believed that to be true Now, if he, as I said before, if he had made this public, his career would have been destroyed. He may have well have faced prosecution and even death. And it was only centuries later that the truth about Isaac Newton now, particularly uh, all his writings are now in the public domain and you can read them in this book. Um, he was much, much more interested in faith, in religion, in religious and theological truth, I think, than he was in science, although he was interested in science too, obviously. It's interesting that his, um, one of his successors, at Cambridge, which Stephen Hawking, uh, who sadly passed away recently, also buried at Westminster Abbey, um, didn't share um, Isaac Newton's appreciation of the universe as a creation of God. And he seems to have been an atheist